0: N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash W-T-F. Lock the gate. <laughs> All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck nicks? What the fucksters? What is happening? Mandy Patenkin is here today. Uh, you know him from his movies, TV shows, The Princess Bride, Homeland, his Broadway shows like Evita and Sunday in the Park with George, his albums, his concerts. And uh, we talk about almost none of that. <laughs> I don't just didn't go that way. We got on the horn, we got on the video horn. And I'm like, all right, so this guy's about a decade older than me. So it's one older Jew talking to an older Jew than him. I'm like, let's see. Uh, An aging Jewish man with uh, a depressive slash manic personality. I'm wired to have this conversation. This might as well be family. It was. It was great. Yeah. Mandy Patenton coming up. What have you been doing? What have we been doing? I'm trying to get organized, trying to get my room organized. I'm trying to get my books together. I had all the books from my old garage which was just a packed sort of collage of life of mine my life a museum of me and fan art but books and i just start going through all pulling my old books out of the basement there are moments where i'm like what do i need all these books for and i've been carrying a lot of them around for years but just to sit with them occasionally now that i'm reorganizing them i'm like oh yeah this one and even if you pick up a book you've been carrying around for 20 years and look at three paragraphs and it reinvigorates your interest it dumps something new into your head that you can add to the stuff that's already there and 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 turn it around a bit or make you see it differently or blow your mind even for a fucking second or two. God bless, right? Or whatever. That's what books are for. That's what hundreds of books are for. Had all the Wilhelm Reich books. I don't know why. I was fascinated with the guy. The guy was this fucking renegade, this outlier, this outcast, this psychoanalytical prodigy of Freud. and, And then he comes here and he just fucking turns it out, man. Pops his brain open, blows his own mind, maybe a little bipolar, maybe a little nuts. Decided that, you, you know, I mean, I guess he was coming one day and he was like, "This all here, man. All the power is emitting from my balls. All the power is emitting from the vulva, from the clitoris. All the power is coming out of the orgasm. All this power, the orgone is the quantity, is the photon of the biological energy that surrounds everything in all of us and is racing through everything in all of us all the time and you can tap into it right in your pants the guy was a wizard the reikian institute in maine oregon therapy and therapy he got a little out there though man he got a little out there he set up a big cannon to shoot uh Orgone into the sky and change the weather. So that seemed a little far fetched, but he was pursuing it and they ran him down like an outlawed dog. He built the orgone boxes. I guess that's how I got into it first. Maybe Burroughs was talking about the orgone box, which is this box constructed of organic matter. You sit in it, it collects orgone energy, you recharge. But they busted him to the point where They burned all his books, shut him down, threw him in jail in the late 50s. He died in jail. The FDA shut him down. Now, I'm speculating a little bit, and I don't know the true history of it. But I was fascinated with the guy because basically what he was dealing with, I think, was the idea that, you know, most of our problems come from sexual repression or, or sexuality repressed on purpose in order to control people. So it seems that the core of his idea was to unleash the cock, unleash the vag, unleash the orgone energy. No shame about the sex, sex economy, he called it. And that's where love and everybody could come together. Eradicate the shame around orgasm and sex. And he built an entire science out of it. And they burned his fucking books. Then later in the 60s, people resurrected him. It was like, this is the time for this. For the Oregon. Nonetheless, fascinating character. Now, here's where this story goes. So I just, I'm poking around in the book. And I know, I I think, I, I don't know the history of him. I don't know what, you know, transgressions he's committed. I know he's thought of as a lunatic. But there is stuff here. Like, I just opened this book. Apparently, he wrote a couple of books about psychology that were very, you know, that still hold character analysis and the mass psychology of fascism. But this one's called Ether, God and Devil. And the, it's two books and cosmic superimposition. And I turn this to page 16. I'm just browsing. I'm browsing. And I find we observe that I'm quoting Reich here. We observe that human thought systems show tolerance as long as they adhere to reality. The more the thought process is removed from reality, the more intolerance and cruelty are needed to guarantee its continued existence. Holy shit. Was that the opening of a news show? Is that, you know, should that be on the front page of what we're living through right now? I wonder. Feels like it should to me. Then I found another quote from Reich. Fascism is the frenzy of sexual cripples fascism is the frenzy of sexual cripples the army of unfuckable hate nerds among others Sexually crippled does not mean that you don't come Sexually crippled can mean that you're paralyzed by porn sexually crippled is broad What does it mean? What does that repression mean? What does that shame mean? What does that self-hate mean? What are you looking for love? Are you looking for love? Are you afraid to surrender? Are you unable to open your heart? Are you broken? Are you broken by your creators? Fascism is the frenzy of sexual cripples. So this takes me to another place. It takes me to E.L. Doctro, the writer. Here's the deal. I'm going through my books. and I have this book called Wilhelm Reich in the usa and it's about the trial of wilhelm reich and oddly it's got a diagram for how to build an orgone box in the back that was the pretext they nailed him on interstate commerce selling the boxes hey man it might have been a hustle but a hustle's a hustle you're going to judge a guy for hustling orgone boxes well then i've got an orgone box i want to sell you but i have this book now the reason this is trippy They tried to shut a genius down. They shut a genius down. They put a massive mind, a provocative and interesting possessed thinker that threatened the established order with his thinking, which could have spread and fed the fire of uh, socialism, free love, liberation. It was a threat to capitalism. Aside from hocking the Oregon boxes. But they put him in jail. He died in jail. Not saying he was a saint. Don't know a lot about him. This is just a story I'm obsessed with. And I've given you some of the tidbits. But I have this book, Wilhelm Reich in the USA, which belonged to E.L. Doctro, the writer of Ragtime and many other books. People love E.L. Doctro. How did that happen, Marin? Well, it's got E.L. Doctro's notes in it and new doodles not really doodles, and things he marked as important. Maybe E.L. Doctro was thinking about writing a novel that involved uh, Reich, or he wrote historical novels, maybe a character like Reich. But wait, Mark, why do you have E.L. Doctro's book? The first deal I had in show business, I believe, was at NBC. And when you get a deal, you meet a bunch of writers, and they assign you a writer, or you choose a writer who they have under contract to create a sitcom with. Now, the pitch was I was this aggravated neurotic chef who was working in a basically a corporate kitchen but I had a vision man so it was basically me instead of a comic I'm a chef and the guy I was writing with who I was told the selling point was he was on single guy this guy was on single guy Richard Doctro the son yes of E.L. Doctro fine one day we met in New York at his father's apartment and his father was teaching rest in peace was teaching at NYU, and we met at an apartment in the Washington Mews, which is this beautiful gated community from the 1800s, right in the middle of fucking downtown Manhattan. And I saw this book, and at the time I was sort of getting into trying to understand Reich. And I said, can I borrow this book? And I did. I took it right off of E.L. Doctro's shelf, and it never got back to him. Not only that, the pilot went nowhere. I don't think Richard Doctro liked me at all. I didn't get the sense I was just this... Coked up, sweaty, neurotic Jew with this idea. And I never shut up. We wrote a script. It went nowhere. And then I did not ever see him again. And then as I was sitting there the other day in a mountain of fucking books, reading his father's property, I said, what happened to that guy? And I tried to find him. And it it just like his show business career goes away. By in the late 90s, no sign, nothing. Do a little deeper Google search, looking at pictures, trying to find him. Then he turns up, now I'm afraid that I don't want to, maybe he's hiding, but I found him in an article as the curator of an exhibit at the Sag Harbor Whaling Museum. Yeah. Now I don't, like, I literally haven't even thought about this guy in decades and I track him down and that's where he's at. And now like, look, man, I respect anybody who makes a decision to get the fuck out of show business. All right, get out, get out and, and find another life for yourself, you know, but wow, he's at the Whaling Museum and I found this book in his father's library about the FDA and the U.S. government harpooning a big thinker, a whale of a fucking thinker and taking him down, locking him up, letting him die in jail, Willem Reich whaling that horrible age-old business of killing the big cosmic monsters the beautiful cosmic monsters the whales the geniuses of the ocean reich the genius of the orgasm i don't know man sometimes life is like a novel do you know what i mean sometimes if you just connect the dots the stories go beyond. They go beyond. Now, this was one of those talks, me and Mandy Patinkin, where he had nothing to really promote. Uh, It was just like maybe he did originally back when we were going to do it originally. It just never happened. I don't know what happened, but we just wound up talking about whatever, just kind of did it. And it turned into a pretty deep talk about life and what it all means and and it's, I think basically it's a good way to start the new year as we head into the unknown. This is me talking to Mandy Patenka.
1: how's it going how's it going well uh, well as can be expected i uh you know the day is good so far the dog did her business and uh my wife is uh is uh, not totally furious with me
0: that's good you took the dog out what do you walk every day Oh, we walked several
1: times because right now she's being treated for heartworm. So Uh, uh, part of it is to give her prednisone, which makes her pee a lot. And today was her very last prednisone pill. So for eight weeks, she usually runs free. We live out in the country. So for eight weeks, she uh, had to be on a leash, which we thought would be a quite a shocking thing. But it's actually worked out great. And she's a dear heart. And and we're very... uh, happy that in two weeks she'll be able to be off the leash and
0: how old is it dog
1: i love this dog yeah i can't even put it into words she we got her on march 13th right after new york shut down. oh okay and we and we didn't get her as a covid dog the kids kept saying dad you need a dog you need a dog oh. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> why like, they
0: why did they think well, we, mean-
1: they, they were worried about me <laughs> so,
0: what, what was going
1: right, on right lisa i was uh i was alive yeah. So, <laughs> so, so they thought they thought get a get dad a dog and um and so kath and i started talking about it when we um we'd been talking about it and the problem always was my life you know i'd travel and right and yeah crazy what do you, where do you put the dog how do you right. what do you do and uh, but i wanted to take six months when i finished i finished doing a lot of work i finished like 10 years on a television series and then i finished 30 cities in a concert tour and and i said i need to stop uh-huh and i was going to stop for 6 months to a year and just see what life was like and Oof. i used to i used to say to everyone you know um <laughs> what about all the things that i didn't consider when i was a kid
0: oh yeah like what
1: like anything everything else that i i didn't uh all everything else at life that you
0: could... didn't do 60 years ago you're going to like yes, what are you exactly. going to build build model planes exactly what you...
1: exactly <laughs> planes out of paper (laughs) and so 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 anyway but but it's very you know because i had a lot of friends that were retiring and i would ask them and they would all say you know i'm busier than i ever was right you know doing this and i thought oh okay so we'll see but but you can't see what that's like when the whole world retires with you you know by force
0: true but you know what though you know what i I realized mandy when that happened like i realized that there's nobody to resent for doing something you're not so there is a piece to it yeah. did that like you know it's like well what's that guy doing nothing no one's doing anything well that's relaxing i mean you right. gotta <laughs> that's that's right, one right. of the the perks
1: yeah yeah or or, or yeah yeah exactly exactly right mark and and um and and you're you're never testing yourself if something tempting comes along, whatever it might. No, be. No, there's nothing. Uh, there's there's no, nothing but, coming may, may, along. May,
0: people might want you, you to use your voice for something or do one of these things, and that's yes. it. That's all you got. You This can't, is it. This yes. is the
1: highlight of my life. Exactly. Right
0: yeah. You. <laughs> you can't. You can't call your agent. I don't agent. mean to
1: pressure you. I don't mean to pressure you, but no. don't fuck it up. Let's no, it's <laughs> a, it's
0: it's already it's already been great. So. But there's no you, you, you. There's no you can't call your agent and go. What the fuck is happening? What I I no, mean no, I, I didn't really no. want to retire. Nothing. No, yeah. You got to learn how to enjoy your family and your dog.
1: Well, and that's you know it's it's really been interesting. My my son was on uh, he's away working and uh, and he was my younger one. My older one's away with his uh, then fiance now wife because they were going to have a a wedding in October and now it became a COVID wedding. So they actually had what a beautiful wedding. On a mountaintop by themselves, which I always, which I thought, you know, a lot of people all over the world had those kinds of unions. Yeah. And uh, and in some ways, I thought, my God, it's so pure. There's no commercialism involved. No, no it. it, Believe me, believe
0: me. I, you know, and and, you know, if things don't work out, you don't disappoint 150 people who bought you presents.
1: That's right, and you can go have parties, you know, till (laughs) the cows come in when the time's right, and so. So uh, but my younger one was worried about us. And so he wanted to get here to take care of us and not go. We shouldn't go shopping like, you know, like we're in right. you know, yeah. in his mind. And and once he got here, he calmed down and we had a way of, you know, uh, living with safety and distance. And, and yeah, no worries. And so but the joy has been having him here.
0: Oh, that's us. nice. Yeah. Yeah. So How old was, is he? He is
1: 34, the younger one. And so he's busy working, you know, his stuff. You know he's a an artist, so he's in you know in in the in the in the uh, room making up whatever he's going to do when he gets the green light to be free again.
0: Well, you have like it seems like everybody around you. It seems like you come from a, a, a artistic family. Well, did you grow uh, up actually, like that? Where'd you
1: grow up? No, no. I mean, when you when you said that, I immediately thought of my family, South Side of Chicago, and no artistic uh, nature there. But I did hear that. My grandfathers were cantors and moils and, and shochets, you know, for kosher. Oh,
0: really? So they were actually, uh, you come from the Jews that were engaged with the community on that? Line. I come from tailors.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, well, you, we were actually, I think we were shoemakers because in Polish, the name patinka means women's slipper. Huh. So when I, when I think, uh, I think, therefore, we probably had something to do with uh, making shoes.
0: So you go back to Poland? Is that where it is?
1: Yeah, I, I actually found that we're also connected to Belarus recently. Me too. I just, I, yeah. But, so uh, Eastern European. Uh,
0: Pale um, of dude. settlement.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so I found this out because I did the um, the PBS show Finding Your Roots. Me too. Yeah. Has yours been aired? Yeah. Yeah, mine wasn't aired yet. So, you know, Henry was incredible. And what they uncovered was just earth-shaking. I really? don't want to share what it was at this point because I don't want to say what, you know, their show... Uh,
0: yeah, no, no spoilers for the for the Potenkin genealogy line?
1: <laughs> yes. No spoilers for the Potenkin genealogy. I'm conditioned to uh, not saying anything about anything I've done. It's a big and finish. So, uh,
0: it's a big finish. You don't want to ruin that for anybody. Oh,
1: there may be, Although I spoke to them for about five hours. Yeah, so I know. God knows what they'll edit down to, I know. you know. Um,
0: you get a very but, nice book and in a, a big you get a book and a poster you get the- I got
1: that but it was my son Gideon he he said dad I'd love it if you would call these guys cuz I think they'll do it with you and I'd love to have it for the family to pass on uh you know to everyone and they do amazing work and 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 so I did it for him but he called them and and they're going to send us all 5 hours so he'll have that for his archives <laughs> and whatever he wants to do with <laughs> it
0: you know he'll have the slow build
1: to, to, That's right. <laughs> to the big... How have you been, Mark? How How have you been doing?
0: <laughs> the last couple of days have been difficult. I don't know why it comes and goes. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I, I, I was full of dread and anxiety before, you know, and then I had a uh, tragic loss of a loved one, and then, you yeah. know, this whole thing. And But uh, for some reason, there are moments where, you know, I wake up and I'm like, you know, what the fuck happens now? Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm so I'm sorry for your loss. I I I, I found out about it this morning. I oh. listened uh, to the whole podcast of of you introducing the, oh, the time old one. When you met her, yeah, uh, yeah. When, when you met Lynn. yeah, yeah. Listen to to that and uh, and um, what happens now? You know, yeah. I, I mean, for whatever it's worth, I I. Uh, yeah if we're lucky enough to live long enough, we're all going to go through this, but you I don't want to go through it with loved ones that are in the prime of their life. And right. And, and you can't, I, I don't know how to process it. And I've been through it too many times. Really? And, and I have no understanding of it. Um, you know, of all the places I always tell friends, my favorite line in all of literature Mm. was written by Oscar Hammerstein from all things, but a musical called carousel. Right. And the line that I love that I say to myself and all friends um, is as long as there's one person on earth who remembers you, it isn't over. (laughs) And, and I love it. And the other thing that I do because of that line every day in my meditations or my prayers or walking the dog or whatever, sometimes two or three times a day before I go on stage, before I go in front of a microphone, I say this meditation. And inclusive in that is I say the names of everyone I knew who's, who have passed on. And I do it uh, for comfort and for the possibility that if, uh, if Einstein's theory of relativity was right and energy doesn't die, uh, no matter what energy uh, inhabited before its new form, right? Uh, then maybe I can talk to Moses or Jesus or Buddha or Abe Lincoln or my dad or sure or or, or my best friend Bob. They're all
0: still they're all still around in some form.
1: I hope so. It's you know I I I live in my imagination. Well, that's uh, what you know. That's a, as
0: long as it's a moral universe. That's a, I think that's what we all do.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's the world I'm comfortable in. And, and it's a game, no doubt about it, but it's a game I like. I think it's all a game. I think religion is a great game invented by incredibly well, clever... Well, well, how were you brought up? Uh, conservative uh, Jew in Chicago, which I always say is a, is an Orthodox Jew if you're from L.A., and a reformed Jew if you're from New York.
0: Right. I was brought up conservative Jew in New Mexico. I come from New Jersey Jews. So, so basically, I don't know, did you find like when I look back on it as I get older and, and spirituality becomes a question or, you know, I've never been that much of a seeker of uh, divinity. But but I mean, I found that the, as a Jew, I was taught nothing about building a relationship with God. I, You know, we read the books, we went to the Hebrew school, but I never was taught how to use God. You know, I I was told he was there, but there was no practical way I could do it every day. I'm not going to do tefillin. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to daven every day. So as a conservative, you know, middle-class Jew, you know, it was just uh, it, the idea of God was never put into function for me.
1: Yeah, me too. I, I, you know, all religion, people would say to me, were your parents Republicans or Democrats? And they were only men's club sisterhood. The synagogue was the center of the life. I went to Hebrew school every day after three o'clock public school. Right. And I was there till you know five thirty or six when you go home for dinner. And uh, but I never believed in God. And I, I, um, uh, I, you know, my ultra orthodox Holocaust survivor friends, et cetera, would uh would refer to it's necessary for you to breathe the fear of God into the fetus while it's in the mother's womb. Okay, so if that's what does it and gives you the belief of God, <laughs> God bless you, and 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 I hope you have a good, wonderful, peaceful life. That didn't happen for me, nor is it ever going to happen. But when I met my wife, yeah. uh, 42 years ago, I I had a feeling that I couldn't explain. We didn't want to get engaged or She didn't want to get married. She was a very 60s feminist uh, person, and I didn't know what that meant. And uh, and so, do you but, do you now? I, I, I just uh, I, I I I I better not talk about that. So, <laughs> so, so, so. I have a whole list of things that I should print out, and put on the walls that my children have said, "Dad, don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. Don't mention
0: this. Don't mention this. So it, it's uh, and now there's uh, no escape. So you, you can't yeah. even you can't even go away for two days.
1: But we got married because I wanted to do something that was beyond my understanding of what I felt. And that definition of what's more than I understand is the word religious mm. religion. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what it means, but as I got older and I'd say probably within the past 10 years, yeah. uh, just certainly when children came along, you know, I wanted to ask for other help to make sure they're okay. Right. And, but, but, um, But at some point, uh, I think within the past ten years, my uh, ultra-orthodox friends would constantly refer to Hashem instead of God or G-D, and I started Hashem, and um, and I started using this word when I say my prayers every day. And so, even though I don't believe in a literal God, I believe in energy, like I said from Einstein, and that everything lives on in that way. But. I I'm I'm nothing but a hypocrite like most human beings. Yeah. And and I speak to this person I've labeled Hashem that I heard the name from others and and I and I literally say, help me help you in any way I can in any way imaginable.
0: Right. I mean, I I've I've reengaged with the uh, prayer and I say I pray to the, I, I pray to the big nothing. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I I think there is something about the act of it that uh, puts you into a, a groove that has been carved th- for centuries. You know, yeah. that there is a, a frequency there that you can tap into that is grounding. I started to meditate recently, uh, which I never did before, and I can see how that that helps out a bit. But it's interesting to me, you speak of these ultra-Orthodox friends, how many ultra-Orthodox people are you hanging out with? Well, there was mainly Mr.
1: Sidney, who was the landlord in my apartment in New York And he was a survivor of uh, the Holocaust from Auschwitz. And uh, we became dear friends, and I became dear friends with his family members. And uh, I remember he told me about making matzah in Auschwitz uh, with just some little flour that he finagled from the guards uh, on a rock, on a hot rock that he found. And one day I was in Colorado uh, and we were tr- in at Passover, so we were looking for matzah to make a seder. And everybody would say, "What? What? What? what the hell? What's matzah? What's uh-huh, matzah?" Uh-huh. And and it was a Jewish cracker, Jewish yeah. cracker. And we <laughs> couldn't find it. And uh, so I made Mr. Sidney's matzah with a flour, rock? water on a, on a rock outside that I put a fire on. Really, and it was it was really meaningful because I guess at the end of the day, um, the whole ball game for me is about connecting connecting to the unknown my friend uh, mr sydney um uh when I, when i sing particularly the yiddish concerts is when i i i um uh, formed it in my in, as as a literal imaginary friend um when i look into the darkness when i'm on stage you can always put whoever you want out there yeah but but I, at one point, I just put all the survivors of all the Holocaust, not just Jews, but Native Americans and African-Americans who were killed on ships and people who are continually suffering to this day. And and all those people, I put them all in the seats yeah. in the audience. Right. And, and therefore, I'm 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 very comforted uh, and not alone. And I know it's crazy, but I don't give a shit.
0: And it's not crazy. It's uh, you know, it's being of service. It's connecting to, uh, you know, this universal idea that you have. And it's also uh, honoring the memory, like you said initially, that if there's one person out there that remembers you, you know, that honoring the memory of uh, of of the lost is a is an important thing. I mean, that's the most important thing. That's I mean, that goes back to the carousel idea. Is that you know yeah. the biggest threat to uh, to civilization is is the trivialization or forgetting uh, the past?
1: I, I I think so. I I don't. I am not a believer that. Um you know, let on the couch or let's go over what happened in life. And it will, uh, it will free me and unlock me and let me be peaceful.
0: I don't think so. Uh, Have you tried though? It doesn't do it. it yeah. Because like, it's very difficult because you get into that dynamic where you get into that sort of repetitious victim mode where you're not really doing anything, but circling around a thing forever.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, you, you can play that game and say, well, this is your mother, this is your father, this is the DNA of the yeah, 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 suffering yeah. of your people, et cetera. Uh, you know, great. If that's what rocks your boat, it, I don't buy it. I right. believe that this is my life. This is your life. Yeah, It's my job to do whatever I need to do to get through the next five minutes.
0: Co- yeah, it's, I think it's a cognitive exercise. You make choices.
1: I think so. I think so.
0: But next five minutes. So you're you're on a five-minute clock sometimes, huh? That's... <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah I actually have a clock in front of me and I, I, I it's a chess clock and and I I I see how long you go I see how long I go yeah. sometimes maybe we'll do a speed
0: round. <laughs> five minutes a five minute clock on your well-being so when when did you start singing?
1: I started singing in the choir at seven years old the choir Friday nights Jewish a, choir a, the Jewish choir in the synagogue. Uh, the boys' choir and on Saturday morning in the synagogue, and on Friday night with the uh, family choir, uh, at seven years old, and uh, and that's where I heard music. I heard all the old guys singing and shuffling, and 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 the cry, the voice, you know, and uh, and that's where I heard it, and that's where I just became home with it. But in Hebrew? Actually, all in Hebrew, yeah,
0: huh? So, you, yeah, really, so you. So the 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 original so you, you, those primitive melodies, those old sort of yeah 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 yeah.
1: And when we do that. A guy just sent me um, the uh, some sort of a twenty minute piece on Havana Gila, which I I'm not a very interested in these things that people send me on my phone. Yeah, you know, watch this. I want. Ugh, to, you it's know, too much. It's just if you have
0: if you have right. enough people on your phone, it's like a full time job.
1: I know. So, uh, but. Um, <laughs> But this one, I wanted to be able to say something nice back, right. so I looked at it. And in the first four or five minutes, the guy who was talking about prayer, and there were no r- words to Havana Gila. Talking, about, it was used as celebration, the origins of the melody, et etc. And then the guy says that in Judaism, uh, whether this is true or not, I liked it. And he said in Judaism, you know, the prayer and they come from the Talmud and the and 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 this, uh, you know, these various uh, areas. Yeah. He said, but the most holy prayer of all, the most holy sound of all, is music, hmm. and I love that. Because I think it's I true. do feel. I feel it's universal. It's magic. I feel it connects us in ways that we can't even express. I have, you know, I I, I can't help but be um, so um, affected by learning about your loss, and uh, and feeling uh, connected to all of us who are dealing with loss in such insane numbers. But none of that, whether it's historical, immediate, uh, what's happened in our, in our lives across the world, or personally to you, or what's happened to me. When, when it happens to you directly, you have to live it, and it is a mystery to me that I'm certain at this point, I know everybody deals with it, I know everybody comes to that end, whether you're awake or not, conscious or not, but I'm certain at this point, I will never understand it. When I lost my best friend, you know, who we grew up with in, in uh, February, and I went and, and sat with him and what horrible thing happened and kissing his head. And, and then, and every day I'm just lost. And, and another dearest friend of mine who died a number of years ago named Debbie Friedman. Did you know that name? mm Debbie, Debbie Friedman um, was uh, uh, of, our, of our generation, probably the foremost uh, Reform Jewish composer of Reform music, Reform mm-hmm. Jewish liturgy. But her gift wasn't; she just took the words from liturgy. But she would say to me, um, "I don't know where the melodies come from. I, I I I don't know where they come from." And and we used to have in common because of our just our common struggle of dealing with uh, depression and, 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 you know, just trying to be peaceful. Uh, we would have a conversation where we would both say to each other at times, sorry, my wife's going out the door. We'd both say to each other at times, you know, at our best, you get these notes, as I'm sure you've gotten from people saying, thank you so much. Your comedy or your work or yeah. your music got me through this time, got me through my father, my mother, my yeah, this, my yeah. like that. And, and you're very grateful for this, you know, unknown connection that, you know, what we do, because we're not sitting with everybody when when our work is uh, being received. Uh, And and we used to say to each other that she was at her best. She feels like this hose goes through her and just comes out kind of clean and uncorrupted. And I used to say to her... You know, Debbie, I understand that so well. Only it's the wrong kind of hose, (laughs) meaning it doesn't have those little holes in it, like that garden hose. That so uh, none of it seeps into me, right? And a good day, it comes through me, and there and there's not too much Mandy going out, so it's clean and available for you. But I wish it had holes so that it would get in into- no
0: i understand that i understand that. so so you know that it, 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 so the idea is that you give and and there's a reward to that moment of giving but you know you walk away depleted instead of full it,
1: it, it, I, I wouldn't say totally depleted i would just say maybe life would have been better if some leaks would have occurred no i get it know?
0: i i get it well the grief thing like i i don't like it's insurmountable and i and i i can identify with what you're saying because like you know just yesterday i i really tried to limit you know she got sick in the house here yeah. and 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 you know and, and then you know they took her away and then never saw her again and, and, yeah. and i and i didn't know i didn't know no we didn't know you know so
1: and, and it's impossible to understand how can I be talking to you right now? And one of us might not be here in, in, in an hour or whatever. And the friends that we've lost that way. And I, I not, uh, you know, all the people that have experienced this or what's going on now, it, it's uh, I, I just want to share, you know, cause I, I just want to share something to just say that, you know, don't feel funny or bad or like you have a problem maybe because every day you open up your phone and, and you read about numbers that are insane about who's dying yeah. all over the world. And whatnot. and so you're just in, in, you know, overwhelmed or you're having dreams that people are coming to get you or it's over or whatever, right. or whatever's going on. But I'll find myself just convulsed in sobs, yeah. weeping profusely. Yeah. And thank God for Catherine, my wife, because she will literally, uh, no, she just sits on the couch with me and holds me. And sometimes I can't stop crying for an hour and I can't tell you the trigger of the tear or, or the emotion or what brought it on. I just get overwhelmed and she just holds me. And the other day it was so clear to me. And I just want to say this, and yeah. nothing new what I'm about to say to you. You've probably thought of said to others or heard yourself. Um, but I'm listening to Debbie Friedman's music because mm. I would sing with her and, I'm, and, and I'm exercising, listening to music, and all of a sudden, the floodgates go. And mm. I'm gone for, I, for you know, I can't stop. Because I missed
0: her so. Right, right. And
1: and it took me six years to have dreams about my father, until I had the first dream about my father when he died when I was 18. And I was ecstatic when that dream came. Yeah. And every time where where you know where i'll in a, my father in a dream or i'll be overwhelmed that he's missed the kids or yeah or i miss debbie from hearing her music or i take a walk with the dog and where's my buddy bob yeah and i just sometimes i cry and sometimes i'm just fucking lost in the woods i'm ecstatic that i'm having those thoughts yeah because yeah. i'm with them yeah in in, in a sad way but it's better than nothing.
0: Oh yeah, I have dreams about her and I wake up and in and in all the every time I have a dream about her, it's really nothing more than that she's here. That that we're here. That you know we're yes. together. And I'm like, "Oh yeah. my god, it was so you're okay." And then you wake up and it's terrible, but Yeah, but, but
1: let, <laughs> let let me just let me offer this and call me crazy if you want. I don't care. What we're I see you on a Zoom screen, you see me I'm looking at the room, I see my dog. This is all supposed to be what's called reality. yeah I have a dream where I see my father, you see lynn or 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 uh, my buddy Bob visits me, and that's the dream. That's your subconscious. Fuck you is what I say. That's my brain having these thoughts, these images, these memories. yeah, don't tell me that they're any real or 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 not as uh, as meaningful as looking at a photograph or having this conversation that's reality and the other's just a drink. It's not for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're both real yeah. for me. Yeah. If Why not? If my mind did it in, in whatever in my brain works, I'm good
0: with it. Why not? Why not look at it like that? Why not? You know what? I mean, that's, you know, you're being visited, you're spending time. I mean, you know, this is what life is. And that thing you're saying is true is that the horrible thing about grief and about everybody having to deal with it is it's as Common as birth, as eating, as, you know, dying is as common as anything else we do as people, shitting, eating, being born, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, the fact that we're conscious of our own mortality and the sort of weight of it and the feeling of loss and missing and then your own mortality and like it's like it it it, it's like the. I feel like it was the final kind of um, rite of passage to being, you know, alive and grounded and 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 in touch with the world was this loss, you know, and I'd never experienced it before. And it's it's devastating. Like I watched a video. I I try not to do it. But I I watched a a video of her yesterday and like, you know, just to sort of check in, you know, just see I have these weird pieces of film with her, you know, singing or dancing or whatever. And and it was just I can't I, I just it's just terrible. It, 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 the loss is just, it's just terrible. And, and there's, and I'm so happy that you're able to uh, to stay in the crying. Cause I can't stay in it very long.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um,
0: I stopped myself.
1: You know, you, you spoke a lot. I read what you had to say about this period. I, I read about your uh, trying to stay with the grief and I wanted to chat with you a moment because I listened a long time ago when my friend Robin Williams died and you had done an interview with him and you played it. And Robin yeah. and I went to school together. Yeah. And and I loved Robin. Yeah. And, um, and I knew him before he was Robin Williams. Where, know? at Juilliard? At Juilliard, yeah. And he was the, the kindest student in a place that was cutthroat. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, the way people can be in those places. You know, I want the part. I want the attention. I want. I want.
0: I and he want. left though, right? He didn't finish, right?
1: No, he didn't finish. But but Robin, you you would be insulated. You'd be have like 20, 25 kids in your group, so you would do that. But yeah. you could go see the other groups work, right? If you wanted, right. Yeah. People in the and Robin would come in, and he was just such a cheerleader. Yeah. And he was just so supportive, and it was only unusual because no one else did that. Mm. No one else did it, and and then we would go uh, to Central Park. And be on the promenade near 72nd, he'd put on his pantomime gear and he'd walk around following people like he did in San Francisco. And and then and then we would see each other at, uh, I think it was called Lenge on Columbus, that sushi restaurant, We'd bump each other at the sushi bar every now uh-huh. and then. And then I was doing a concert years later and I, I, I was doing a play at Berkeley yeah. and I went backstage because he was going to do a benefit there. And I went to say hi. Yeah. And uh, And he was terrified just terrified. He had on his colorful shoes that he was going to put on and we were backstage we were each going to go on and and he was just so frightened. And I'd run into him a couple times like at Letterman or whatever backstage and, and I would just see how frightened he was and 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 one day we we um had a, a a dinner with my kids when they were little and my son Isaac had memorized, you know, the Good Morning Vietnam monologue at the beginning that was not to come out of the mouths of a of a, of a seven-year-old, sure. <laughs> but, yeah. but Robin sitting at the table and Isaac unloads the entire speech on, on Robin. Yeah. And uh, Robin's mouth is dropped. And, and it would be very quiet if you knew Robin, well. yeah. you know, yeah, very yeah. quiet unless yeah. he, unless he was on. And, and, and when I was in Cape town, South Africa, and I turned the corner on my way home from work and I heard the news on the radio, I couldn't understand how that happened. I couldn't understand how Robin, whose talent and gifts were meteoric and left me not even in the dust. I didn't even exist compared to what Robin's abilities and nature were. And yet we had somewhat of a similar life. We both performed, he in comedy, me with music. We both were actors and plays and films and television. And and so we'd be on the road and you finish your performance and and people would leap to their feet and say thank you. And before you get off stage and the lights go back to black, you are in a uh, it, it's over. You're gone. Then you usually go back to the hotel where the booker gave you the fucking presidential suite, you're yeah. all alone. Right. And you're just trying to get get to the morning where you get back on the plane to in, go to the
0: next Eating candy from the mini bar.
1: And, that's right. And, <laughs> and 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 my teacher that I met in uh, two thousand six. Uh, worked hard with me and I worked when, when that news came of Robin, I couldn't understand. And, but the work that he's done with me since 2006 and has changed my life is, is, is to stay with our discomfort
0: period. Whatever yeah. it is. Oh, I ch- I, I like to cu- I, when I'm in discomfort, not only do I stay with it, I make it worse generally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and, and yeah, yeah. F- uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. F- f- fuel the fuel the flames. But 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 I believe deeply that it is a uh, um, a global epidemic of people not knowing how to do it. And by that, I mean this. And I use the two examples of one who was an acquaintance, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and one who is somebody that I was connected to was. Yeah. And and yet those are just famous people. This happens to people every day because yeah. I couldn't understand how in those moments when he was trying to set up a chair and an ability to take his life, all the seconds that go in between that, that balancing act, how do you not have that one second to catch yourself that we've, so many of us have been in so many times in our life and, right. and, and for over 30 years and we get through it. How did you not get through it that one time? And 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 so whether you want to use the word alcohol or drugs or it's an illness? None of that matters to me, really, because what I believe is the missing thing for all of our lives and and people all over the world is is we're not taught how to be uncomfortable, meaning a little kid who falls and scrapes their knee. Mommy and daddy say, let's kiss it and make it go away. Mm. Don't make it go away. Kiss. It's fine. Don't tell them it has to go away. So we spend our lives trying to fix everything. We fix it with a literal fix. We fix it with food. We fuck it away. We quit it away. We run it away. We, nation states kill it away. And, and if Philip Seymour Hoffman these, and Robin Williams, two of our greatest uh, contributions to arts, humanity, to this life that we know, if they'd been, you, you can't have that kind of mind and not be aware but even if you're overwhelmingly successful it can be just as uncomfortable and so you've got to numb it
0: the, yeah right i i mean i get that but like the weird the i i i think like look man i mean you know i i i am fortunate in that i don't believe that i am you know clinically depressed i suffer from uh, profound dread and anxiety right so you know, you know so when i have suicidal thoughts it's really not because things are so miserable it's just it's just i need i need a break right so i'm able to to move through that generally it's right. anxiety based so but i think these people who are overly you, you know uh, in tuned and overly sensitive and can't you, you sort of find their way out from under it i mean well with philip it was a horrible addiction but with robin you know it was you know a choice uh, uh, from what i understand around not wanting to live with a with a uh, crippling disease, but still the choice that you're talking about uh, is a profound one. And what, and, and it sounds like you have talked yourself out of this before.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been dark. I've been, I've, I'm certainly one person who said, you know, I don't, I don't want to go through this, you know, and the thing you don't want to go through is, is, is feeling pain. You want peace. Anybody right. who, who does anything, all they want is peace of mind, peace. They just want peace. And who doesn't want peace? So we've all had a version of that and um and i just say to myself and and to and to anybody that i talk to on occasion when when the subject comes up and forgive me for going into territory that may be inappropriate but uh you know this is how i knew you you know this this connection to robin from before and yeah. and then and then a friend said you know about about what happened in your life recently yeah and i just um i, I don't know i just feel it's common ground that we share as as humanity and uh, yeah and and it's a, a learning curve.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, it's profoundly sad, you know. And I I try to you know my choice to sort of be public about it was, you know, to honor some 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 of the stuff that you're saying. You know, like I don't, you know, my comedy and my work has always been from me engaged in in the life I'm living. So I I chose to sort of you know share it, and you know, and it in that in of itself, it's it's sort of what you're talking about when about the hose you know is that you know when you when you're giving your heart or you're you're expressing your your true feelings there's a tremendous risk there and the risk is not so much that you're going to be hurt the risk is that you know there's no what's the return on it and then you have to ask you know well why am I doing it am I looking for that am I doing it to 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 experience people going like, "Oh, we love you, we love you," but even that's not enough. Generally, so what is it really? I mean, what have you come up with? I mean, if you're not, I'm not one of those people that needs the love of an audience. That was never why I got into it. But I mean, when you say that the hose doesn't work inside, I mean, what if what if your conclusions around that around your in, in, in impetus to do this stuff?
1: It, it's not the the adulation is its own drug that is as poisonous as. Um... Drugs that kill you—it's a bottomless pit. If you go ego surfing, you'll never, you'll, you'll, you'll never get enough, and you'll only find things that hurt you because you went looking, and right. uh, and you'll find things hurt you. So what I've come to think is why I do what I do and have done what I've done is for the structure of of it, for the for what we've really just experienced in these past nine months—a life without distraction. Mm. and and the test of that existence without a distraction is pretty profound to relationships yes. to to our own selves and and i think i'm not so in love with the uh, singing or acting or what it takes i love the craft of the research of the structure of the of the taking the walks and coming up with possibilities that I've uh, looking for connective tissue that I Mm. can connect to uh, and, 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 and how it just wastes my time in, in a way that John Lewis would say is good waste, good trouble, you know, and, and uses up my energy and makes me feel like I've lived the day. And when, when I've now been through nine months without it, I've come full circle to those nine months ago and go, I don't need a break. I don't want to retire. I want to find a way to be in a room with my friends and and make what new music we're going to do. How do we rebirth community getting together in the theater where people are, it's the last thing on the list of going to an environment, you know, where you can sit in a room with other people and experience. And so how can I be a part of, of, is it a halfway house? Is it other spaces? People have all kinds of ways they're trying to come up with this. But, but that world gave me my life. And right now it's decimated. The article in Saturday's New York Times about, I think, I, I forget the young lady's name, who's the violinist, the 52% of the arts community that isn't working at all, that lost everything. She had a good career with a whole year's bookings, gone, along with millions of other people, you know, in, in, in different forms of, of work and uh, living on food stamps. And and the and and it's stunning that the restaurant industry have a t- versus fifty two percent is only twelve 12% percent affected twelve and a half percent affected meaning they can still sustain the lifestyle that they've sort of designed but the arts is just devastated yeah and, people um, got to eat people got to eat and 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 what can we do who were given uh, such such gifts by you you know look uh, in in talking about this recently I've realized what What is it that I'm missing? i'm I'm missing being with my piano player and making the music, but that's not what I'm missing. I'm missing just I just need one person in the room. no, absolutely. To listen. Just one person to to laugh or to or remember to hear the music to remember and and that one person makes what was a boring rehearsal into
0: just a life no, I absolutely
1: so how do we get those one persons?
0: I just did the, I just did a movie. I was on a movie for for 12 days with strict protocols, masks and everything, but it felt That's so cool. good. Like, it was good, it, but it was like I chose to take it. I'm alone. I'm sad. You know, I was, they convinced me that it was going to be safe enough, and once I surrendered to it, I was so fucking grateful, Mandy, to be around people yeah, and yeah. to be doing the work just to, you know, and, you know, it's, the acting work is, um, it's relatively new to me in terms of, you know, figuring out how to do it and making choices and and getting better at it, so I was... It, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. How do we get back to that? Because it was scary. Everyone's a mask. It's not the fun kind of like collaborative community that it once was. Everyone's terrified, but you're yeah. making the shit. But like, let me ask you something. When you were starting out, I mean, what, how did you balance this idea of like, you know, acting or, or singing? Like, were you always going to end in the musical theater? Was it always that Or was it there, Was there a time where you're like, I'm going to make a choice?
1: Yeah, the singing thing was a no-brainer. You didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to go to Juilliard to learn how to sing. You just right. because everybody sang in the synagogue, every little kid sure. sang, every old man sang. So yeah. that wasn't anything you had to work at. You right. just you just go to shul and uh, and nothing to do. Uh, but I wanted to become a classical actor, and somehow that evolved into oh, go to a school that teaches you to become a classical actor. So so I did that, but. Ironically, Juilliard, the famous music school, in the drama department where we were, uh there was no singing. Not a fucking note was sung. You know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. just just all all tearing people apart and putting your heart on the table and some teachers not know how to put it back in your body and zip up, you know, your skin again. But what does that
0: mean? You were there. Did you went th- you went through the whole program? You no didn't singing. get singing. But you didn't get cut and you 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 learned the competition of that uh, environment. Did it yeah. was it devastating? I mean, did did you were there any positive uh, lessons learned from that oh. competitive nature of that place?
1: Not the competitive nature. The competitive nature, I to this day, I feel is unnecessary. I do not feel that uh, a school where you're either on scholarship or paying uh, as a young person uh, that you should taste what real life has to offer down the road and it's cutthroat and get used to it. You know, we're gonna throw you out of the program where you know you don't make the mark. What bullshit! Uh, yeah. This is a time to be safe. And cared for, and 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 kindness right. uh, applied. The real world comes long enough to everybody, and we'll all get a taste of it. But I had the the gift of Bill Hurt, uh, William Hurt, whose name yeah. was, you know name will always be Bill to me, and the work we did together, and Gerald Friedman, my teacher, and Marion Seldes, and then also my two friends uh, who were cut from the program, and one of them had they each had a quality that I wanted in life. One. At 18 years old, uh, spoke his mind to grown-ups, and I'd never seen a person, w- a youthful person, speak whatever he had to say without concern. Yeah. And the other one had a kindness that I desperately wanted, and, yeah. and and a vulnerability that he just was so beautiful. And and I left the program after two and a half years. We had 26 kids, I think, in our class. I think there was one guy left at the end of the. Four-year program, and I think six or seven women. All the rest of us left uh, in my group. In my on your own volition. Yeah, yeah. I left. I wanted to leave after I was there for five minutes, and I waited because I didn't want to leave until I'd gotten whatever it was that I went for, and I didn't know what that was. And then I got uh, to be with Gerald Friedman, uh, who was my a teacher of a. We did the Duchess of Malfi, and he cast Bill and myself as Bosel and Ferdinand, we sat around a table, and he tried to teach us what an action was. And Bill was much smarter than me, and he could, he could nail it right away. And I would write, you know, long, long paragraphs instead of a single word. And, uh, and, I'd, and Jerry would crumple them up. I had a mountain crumpled up paper. And, uh, and then later on in life, uh, I would be at Sondheim's house and look on his piano, and there were uh, postcard. Their postcards or scraps of paper, backs of envelopes with just lists of words, looking for rhyme and going down to just find that one word. The 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 vocabulary, the dialogue, the the script of your life that is yeah. your connective tissue to connecting. Just right. the word connecting, and then my brother-in-law. Uh, who's a Zen Buddhist monk has a phrase in his monastery that is part of our family's belief system, which is our actions are the ground we walk on. Yes. And, uh, and so that, that craft of learning to see if I could figure out an action.
0: So yeah, wait, let me see. You, 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 so, so you're the, the one thing that you put so much stock in uh, your imagination and the idea that it might all be imagination is, is actually the one thing that you have to constantly negotiate with and slow down because you overthink everything,
1: everything and and overcomplicate, <laughs> overcomplicate yeah. too much, Mandy, too much, Mandy, too much, Mandy.
0: That's your gift. Mandy is that yes. you have to untangle your own fucking thoughts at every turn,
1: every fucking turn. And I work it. I mean, Richard Harris. I did. I did a thing with Richard Harris years ago, and and I was so excited to be with him. And he said that he was no longer drinking. And I'm sitting in a hotel with him for hours while he's telling me he's no longer drinking. He has a glass of wine in each hand and a cigarette in each hand. I'm sorry, it's so great that you're not drinking anymore. And he says to me in the midst of this, you know, you don't need to work so hard. Yeah. And and he was trying to give me everything he had to offer, which was just just show up. You know, just maybe just shut up and show up.
0: But but, like but, like, what I'm feeling and what I'm seeing because I relate to you is that isn't it this fundamental, I, I, I don't even want to say it's Jewish and I don't even want to say it's specifically insecurity, but it's this idea that whatever I'm doing cannot be enough. It cannot be good enough. It cannot be right. It is not correct. Someone else knows how to do it better than me. Who's got the answer? Please give it to me now.
1: That's right. That's right. Now, the clearly some of the key ones you said is not good enough. So the the mantra, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. I would tell this to David Kelly when we were working together and he wrote it. You know, he would osmosize. But I literally was talking to my image in a window once just say not good enough, good enough, not good enough. Where does that
0: come from? Who did that mother. to you?
1: That comes from my mother. <laughs> but I don't blame my mother anymore because she was hurt. She was hurt by her folks. Good Good for you. And, you know, Catherine says, hurt people. My wife has this expression. Hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. Sure. You know. But uh doesn't mean
0: that doesn't mean the fucking wires were not already crossed. So, like, I mean, I do that, too. Like, my parents were whatever they were. And I you know, turned out to be the mess I am. And then you go through years of like, well, what did they have that was good? What am I grateful for? What did they give me? What are the gifts? Uh, you know, set aside the horrible things and then forgive them. Yeah, I forgive them. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to fucking get my brain back.
1: Yeah, but I believe, Mark, that the mess of our lives is the glory of of our of our existence because okay. it it, it creates the battlefield of our work uh, of our canvas that we've spent our life trying to humorize connect to make make alive turn the yes. darkness into light turn darkness yes. into light. That's yeah. We're the 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 alchemists
0: of depression. The Jewish. So you people. take that
1: away, you take the right. troubles away, and who the fuck am I? In some way, I wouldn't trade. I want in uh, one minute, I'll say all I want is peace of mind. The other minute, I say don't take away my troubles.
0: Yeah, but 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 but, Bandy. But I mean, what, how old are you? They're not going away. There's no taking away. What are you fucking? I mean, it's like it's a dream. What do you? I mean, a, it's I'm like. 100,
1: a, I'm hundred. I'm hundred and eighty-seven, <laughs> and and you're absolutely you're absolutely right.
0: <laughs> so, you know, we have these conversations have with ourselves. Good skin. Well.
1: I have good skin, but I am yeah, 180.
0: You, you look great for 187. Thank you, thank you. But, <laughs> but nobody. But I mean, this is this game we play. This like, I want to keep my problems. Yeah, you know, I want to temper them. Yeah, you know, I want to taper them. I want to keep. You know, I want. I'm going to hold on to some character defects in the re- language of recovery. So, so like, but the, the, the truth is, is that they're not negotiable. How the fuck are they going to go away? Like, you got a brother-in-law who's a monk. I mean, yeah. what are his struggles?
1: Yeah, he's got plenty of struggles. He went Not in exactly. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 uh, it is it is comforting when I'm in the darkest place to to hear a voice and if I can't hear my own memory of that voice, I'll call my doctor up and he'll talk to me for 30 seconds and he'll remind me that it's because of this that you are able to do what you do. It's because how hard you work. And the other reason I work so hard in, in just the structure of it is I'm so terrified of going on stage or in front of a camera, in front of a microphone and fucking up. So if I bust my fucking ass, or even if I have the balls to do it, Richard Harris says, which is just don't do anything. <laughs> just shut the fuck up and show up. Even no matter what I do, if I do whatever I've learned in my life and I've done my best to do it, and then I fuck up, it's not my fault.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Whose fault is it?
1: It Not mine. (laughs) Not mine. Because I worked my ass off. I did everything I know. I I did it well. I did it poorly. And then I fucked up, but
0: I didn't take it for granted. Right. But but this is interesting to me, the Richard Harrison, because, like, having just come off a shoot and and trying to figure out after, after talking to people like you and many other actors... Uh, you know about how they approach things it seems that that at some point that once the work is done mandy that you know you you of all people uh seem to have a a you have to have some belief in your basic talent correct no
1: (laughs) i don't i don't (laughs) i'm 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 probably the most insecure person i know yeah I, i like playing people that aren't on tv Mm. <laughs> but but I'm probably the most insecure person I know. And I'm comfortable with that at this point in my life. I consider it now one of the gifts that have given me my life.
0: But don't you drive people crazy? Oh,
1: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I, and that's why I, I won't call you and say, I just want to be your friend, Mark, after this interview.
0: <laughs> you can <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but, 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 uh, Yes, I drive people crazy. I drive my children crazy. I drive my wife crazy. Uh, one of the tricks of COVID is to get the fuck away from each other every, every now and then any way we can. Because but has
0: it affected your work, like with uh, in, in a collaborative environment? At times, yes. Yeah.
1: Sometimes to a, a wonderful degree and sometimes to a very uh, um, negative agree- degree. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Because
0: you're so hard on yourself. And in in, in the midst of that tornado of self-doubt and uh, insecurity, you you, you you know, it's hard to wrangle that stuff. Right. So you got to no. you, you probably alienate uh, some people or, well, uh, at times. Well, I,
1: I remember something that I remember because it's a it's a way of being kind to myself, that James Lepine, who wrote Sunday in the Park with George and directed yeah. it and a good friend said to my wife years ago about. When I'd be thought of as difficult, he said, let me tell you something about Mandy. He's only difficult to himself, right? Yes. Other people experience it in different ways, but, but he's only hard on himself as opposed to other people that are doing it to take advantage of other people. He's just doing it to try to make the work great. And I, and I always hear that echo in my head to know that I'm not, I'm not doing it to make you look bad or to fuck you over or to hurt someone else. I'm just trying to make the scene live.
0: Right, I understand that, but my but but the point I'm I, I'm making it from my own experience, and, and is that you know that guy knows you. That guy, uh, you know, took the time, whether he wanted to or not, uh, you know, to understand how you work. So but if you enter a situation where th- that that isn't a given, then a lot of people are going to take it personally and they're going to get hurt and they're going to. And then so then you got to go through the whole apology th- process. And or, or they and, should and,
1: fire me. They should fire me. And or I shouldn't be with them if they're not going to have any kind of sensitivity to who I am. I can't change who
0: I am. Mark. I know. But at what point does it become selfish and. And, and maybe a little abusive.
1: Probably at any point that it, it affects anyone else that isn't positive. Okay. It makes points. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, absolving myself right. You know, or, or forgiving myself for it. That's another great thing the teacher said to me. I said, I, I just can't forgive myself. He said, good. I used to think somebody said, what's the meaning of Judaism? I would say, well, Rahmanus, compassion and forgiving yeah. yourself. I've given up on forgiving myself. Because he said to me one day, and I love this. I mean, you know, you buy the teaching you want to buy that feels good, that tastes good. And he said, "Who are you a deity? Who are you to forgive yourself? Mm. Aren't you a human being? Don't human beings make mistakes?
0: Uh, Isn't it nice when you find the guy that validates the worst parts of your character?
1: Absolutely. And I pay him handsomely. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to stop that.
0: <laughs> uh, oh yeah! Finally, I found the guy that justifies <laughs> the, the worst fucking thing I do to myself. He encourages it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It just get doesn't get a a little exhausting. But
1: but it is exhausting. But I'm exhausting. I exhaust myself. I exhaust others.
0: But I feel like we've been talking for nine hours. It's only been an hour.
1: <laughs> but but uh, but. But, you know, I need a guy since that's who since that's such a part of my nature to exhaust myself privately, to exhaust myself publicly. Uh, if if I, I need someone to say that's OK.
0: Well, you know, it's I get that, too. But I got a friend that said something to me that took me years to understand when I would call him up, a dear friend of mine who, who I can be honest with and talk about, you know, problems. I'm a recovery guy, so I got, you know, sobriety. But so that he's one of those guys. And he, when I tell him about all these, you know, my, my these horrible things that I'm going through in my mind, he, he would ask me like, well, what are you getting out of that? Is it is that? What are you getting out of that? And and that's a great question. What am I getting out of that? Like like I'm doing it over and over again, and I'm complaining about it. So I must be getting something out of it. What is that? And it's it just the that that's a provocative question. It's like, yeah, no. what am I getting out of that? And do I want that anymore? These are choices, right?
1: Yeah, But if, you're, if you happen to be a painter or, or a composer or an actor or a writer, yeah. and you choose one day to play someone who is incredibly um, lighthearted, seems to laugh away the world, seems to brush off every shoulder every second, no matter what it is, and why are you that way? Because you are loaded with agony. And you are and you have found that the way to counteract it is to be this other way. And what becomes the connective universal tissue to the listener is I have that agony. I know that. But to me, the the trick and what I admire and the guy I want to have dinner with is the one who manages it by finding ways to have fun in spite of their nature. Right. Well, what about love? What about it?
0: Well, I mean, what about vulnerability? What about I mean? I understand agony. I understand the relief of agony. I understand, you know, you know, get, you know, getting laughs uh, and 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 turning darkness into light. I understand that. But there is a sort of power to to being open hearted without fear. Yes, M- may, may you live long enough, uh,
1: in, in spite of the love you've just lost, to find a friend. Uh, another human being on earth, uh, to just do nothing with, yeah, to say nothing with, yeah, to just feel comfort from, right. to not be able to help them in their pain, but to know that they just want to sit and 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 be lost with you on the couch, on yeah. the chair, in the car. and And that to me, is the definition of love. Just comfort. And company and, and and being lost together. Yeah. And um, you know, it is that this fucking thing about sex that we got when we were little, and mm. all the stuff about sex and all the energy lost over sex, you know, in energy in terms of what you could have done literally just with that hour, you know, right. trying yeah. to calm yourself down, self-medicate. Oh, I mean. Oh my god. You yeah. know, it's just insane. The whole world over over this kind of stuff. Genius people, you know, who could who could solve the world's problems politically, scientifically are ostracized because they 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 needed to calm themselves down by masturbating. Yeah. Who doesn't masturbate?
0: Yeah, no. I, as I, I'm, I'm a proud. I, I was a daily masturbator for years, and I, I've just taken a break because I'm getting older and so try to <laughs> cut it down to twice a week. If, I can. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's important. I, I, I've, I've always felt that that's a, you know, it's, a, it's built in. It's relieving, and it's a gift. It's one it of the many gifts that Hashem has yes, given. Hashem
1: us. Gift. and and it is great at times. But but is it and is sad it, at is times is as well. it the defining factor? Is it the definition of love? No.
0: No, it's uh onanism. It, it, what, what somebody my my a friend of mine said to me, he said, if you masturbate a lot, like daily, your primary sexual partner is you.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> did that, you read this book Sapiens? Uh, which one? Sapiens. No. So it's just like, you know, five, eight hundred page book. I don't know what it is. And, and uh, right by, by, it. By a, now it, you
0: just now I know I'll never read it
1: by a great historian who does, you know, does, all yeah. this, you know, it goes billions of years. Did into you read the, it? Yes. Into the formation of mankind. And then I, I'm reading this thing because I really want to see what's happening. And he takes it into the present. He's going all through the timetable of existence uh-huh. and uh, and how sapiens came to be what they are and and what they've done. And then the last 10 chapters virtually. And this guy is an avowed atheist, by the way. Uh, But the last 10 chapters really are saying, in my humble opinion, and I'm not the wisest, greatest reader in the world, but is that you cannot find happiness. And I hated that book from those last 10 chapters. And I really read that book and loved a lot of it. But I hated that you make that kind of effort. And garner your audience, and you have a successful book. But that's what you're offering us at the end—that all yeah. of us who are looking for peace and happiness, you're going to say in, in in your, you know, huge mind that that's a wasted goal. Fuck you.
0: See, and then he proves his point. See what he did to you? <laughs> <laughs> Look what he did to you. He's he's correct. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I talked to somebody recently who said that most animals, you know, you that we're designed to think negatively out of fear and, and protection. So, like, that's one of the things we've had to you know, reconfigure as conscious, you know, sentient animals, you know. Yeah. you had to re- That was it. But that's what we're talking about here. That's yeah, the yeah. challenge. That's what I we've mean, been talking know, about the whole time.
1: Yeah. I mean, fear. I'm so exhausted from being terrified. And, uh, you know, pe- people, people will say to me, you know, oh, I have the public speaker. I got to make a speech. What do I do? Can you help me? And I say to them, you know, shake, shake, let your legs shake, let your arms shake, let your lips shake, sweat, have, you know, let tears roll down your eyes. Have you ever walked away from someone in that condition in front of your eyes? You know, people will lean into you and those that don't just be great. Just hope they walk away quicker.
0: Well, I mean, well, if you if you're advising a guy who's going to give some sort of corporate presentation, just go out there and cry. I mean, yeah. I mean, you've like, absolutely. <laughs> First of all, you've got him in the palm of your hand.
1: Secondly, they're going to want to pay you to shut the fuck up and get to the next guy.
0: Yeah, help this guy. This guy needs help. <laughs> Should have got it together. Yeah,
1: give him a billion but, dollars and but, let him build it.
0: So you did the like the show like you, the Homeland show you did for a long time, right?
1: Uh, approximately ten years from Hello to to the final goodbye, but it was eight seasons, but we you did enjoyed it. it. You I enjoyed really, it. I just loved it. I truly loved it on, 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 on so many levels, uh, the people involved first and foremost, the character of the material, the relationships with the intelligence community that we formed in terms of our research systems and the relationships that I made with those people long-term in many cases, um, the connective, um, the connective nature of, of my being to a global understanding of, of, of systems broken and needing attention paid. So it informed you
0: politically to some degree.
1: Politically. It gave me a platform unlike any other part of my career. It, it, it started my relationship with the international rescue committee and helping refugees uh, be listened to and attention Mm. be paid to them. And, uh, And then, you know, because of all of that, it literally, it's all the ripple from that whole thing because of the platform we made from, I, I made the refugee thing. I never had social media. We started it for refugee crisis with the International Rescue Committee. Then my son, who always has taken out his cell phone, you know, filming family things, you know, takes a family movie of Catherine and I after we have a fight on our anniversary, says, Dad, you know, this was really kind of sweet. Can I put that on your social media? I said, I don't know how to do that. I have somebody who does that for me. He says, I can do it. And he does it and it goes well. And then he starts doing that at the time when the pandemic starts and it's bringing a smile to people. So we, we yeah. you know, we're just the hired idiot parents. We just answer his questions. So you know, are you're on paper- the Instagram Yeah, yeah, we're doing nothing except answering Gideon's questions. And he's putting this stuff out there. And then, you know, uh, uh, George Floyd is murdered. So we then shift. It's not appropriate to do that. So we shift into awareness for Black Lives Matter and that moment. But in the back of our minds, the minute this thing started catching, we thought if we could grow this platform, we can maybe help get out the vote, you know, in September and October. And we were a little part of that effort. And, you know, you know, from, you know, all of those things from being in a television show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's interesting, though, that that, you know, as a, you know, progressive, thoughtful, uh, creative Jew guy that, you know, it, it, it feels like it took you a while to get on board with uh, social activism. Huh?
1: Oh, no, no, not at all. I'd been no. uh, it was my wife uh, brought us on board early on social activism in terms of social media. We yeah, yeah, have yeah. been very active since uh, uh, really I did since I began doing solo concerts. I Do was, you, are uh, you a
0: fan of Theodore Bikel?
1: I I I know him. I've been with oh. him. I you, my father loved him. Uh, right. Beautiful man. Um, I'm I'm glad I got to be on a stage with him once. You know. Oh, you
0: you were yeah. Because it seems like there 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 is some connective tissue there.
1: Yeah yeah yeah. I'm 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 certainly one of those guys of our generation. You know. <laughs> Are you asking me to sing you a Yiddish song? Is that what? No you no love? no. I'm just wondering. <laughs>
0: no no. no. <laughs> I'd love you. No, I'd love it. Did you like the, the? Did you have to learn Yiddish?
1: I did, I did. I mean, I particularly know the words. Every word I sing, uh, but I I learned it to a point through the lyrics that I went to uh, Germany and um, on more than one occasion. But I go to a German movie and find my way around.
0: Really? Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite well, Yiddish it's, song? It's
1: G- German base. Uh, my favorite Yiddish song, I think, is. Uh, uh the one my dad sang the only one my dad sang He never sang much but it was uh, a yummy amazing <speaking> my little devos das medla vil dos medla vila poschichle hob in muzmungindem shustrzogen Nain mamschen name du kannst mich nicht So it goes on and it's about mama, mama, what do you want? What do you want with my daughter? What do you want? You're not happy. Do you want a a pair of shoes? No, mama, you don't understand. You never understand. Do you want a new dress? No, mama, you don't understand. You never understand. Do you want a boyfriend? Yes, mama, you understand. You always understand. Yeah. And my dad used to sing that. So when I learned all this Yiddish music, that was the one that mattered to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of my dad's. So was there Yiddish spoken in the house?
1: Only as a secret language, and particularly right. when, when Grandma Celia came over, because uh, she never learned how to write very well or speak English, and she would always go in the basement with my father because she didn't want my sister and myself to see how long it took her to sign the checks.
0: Uh, my grandparents used to speak it when they didn't want us to understand what they were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's amazing. So when you do these things is how many people are left of the generation that that is provocative like that, that it's, that... it's
1: astounding how Yiddish has grown through folks, Bina and, uh, different organizations that have uh, brought, uh, you know, in the language that was tried to have been decimated, attempted uh, mm-hmm. to be decimated completely back to life. Their camps there, uh, they just did, uh, my friends at folks Bina did this Yiddish fiddler on the roof, uh, oh. It was one of the most extraordinary things. You know, all of us have seen Fiddler on the Roof in one iteration or another. This was the definition of how it should have been seen. And it was unbelievably powerful. And Joel Gray directed it. And it had a simplicity that was almost like a high school production. But yeah. because of the connective tissue of the sounds of a language. And, and I remember uh, when we recorded it, I had many of the same musicians, African-American musicians, Asian musicians, who worked on most of my other recordings in New York, uh, studio musicians. And, and the African-American and Asian musicians came up to me afterwards and said, we just want you to know we've worked on all your albums. This is the most powerful experience we've ever had. And we couldn't understand a single word. And And as I started to perform it and... Catholic priests and nuns and, you know, uh, Irishmen would come back and say, thank you. I learned what the meaning of this was. I just happened to be a Jew who connected to my heritage's language. It, it, the, the lesson was, whatever you come from, whatever the language is of your ancestors, take a walk in it, take a bath in it, let it wash over you. Don't try to understand it. Just mm. Just drink it and let it wash you. And there's something about it. Hmm. And uh it's um it's one of great things that's unexplainable.
0: Well yeah, it's like that it's like the the idea of you know, centuries of, of prayer. There's like a, a groove there. That, that there's a, a it's not just tradition, it's not legacy, it's it's almost genetic. It's it's a language spoken through yes. centuries. Yes.
1: And, and once and, you
0: tap into it, it you know, it makes you uh connected. feel connected.
1: Yeah. Connected, yeah. I mean, that's the, to me, the word James of put it in Sunday in the Park with George. So my character of George Surratt, when I was 31 or two years old, I think, or maybe I was 34, repeated this line over and over again through the play, connect, George, connect. And it became the word I realized of my existence. And, and it's the only words, if I have a tombstone, which I, I'm not dealing with because I, I can't deal with any of that. So I'm... Uh, I'm che- I'll check out when the time comes and it's my children's problem or my forever's left. And uh, I don't expect to know about it. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I'm going to be put in a box. I don't want to be know that they're going to, then they're going to cook me in an oven. I don't want to be in a mud hole. I don't want any possibilities to yeah. exist. And so I don't want to know, but, um, but if there is a tombstone, I wanted to say he tried to connect.
0: Well, you do. And I, I think that like, as you're saying this, that, uh, the horror for you, that, that the the existential dread must come from those moments where you feel disconnected.
1: Very much. And the most painful moments, um, both personally, if they're with my children or wife, when I can't communicate or yeah. I over-communicate or I'm over-emotional or oversensitive, and I blow the moment or I'm on stage and I, I just missed it or did too much or, or couldn't recover quick mm. enough or was too young to know how to recover. Uh, I was in great pain and still am to this day at times, particularly with family, uh, because I, I don't get that moment back. Yet, Yet with those who love you, you do get another try. As mm. soon as you knock on the door, they will open it. You're the one who closes it.
0: Yeah, because you're busy beating the shit out of yourself in the the room. Beating the
1: shit out of yourself. And to have (laughs) my two sons and my wife, Catherine, um, for 42 years between Catherine and the boys, constantly love me in spite of it all is um, pretty overwhelming.
0: Yeah, thank God.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So (laughs) I. uh, (laughs) You did fuck that up. Good for you. I'm, I'm a lucky guy. Yeah,
0: well, yeah. Well, you you knew where the the line was, apparently.
1: I, I think so, but <laughs> they would. They also knew that it's going to take dad. Dad's going to go to the city. Dad yeah. took the dog. Dad, you know, he'll he may come back. He may not back. <laughs> he may not come back for a week. Uh, it, it always happens around my birthday and Thanksgiving, which are days apart. Always. Um. Uh, it's I can't handle something about it, and I usually check out. Last year I went to uh, go to New Orleans because mm. I somebody said something and I got upset, packed my bag, went to LaGuardia, got on the airplane then the uh, something happened on the airplane and at that moment I felt better. And I thought, I don't need to go to New Orleans. So I said to the stewardess, can I please get off the airplane? I need to get off the airplane. There was some sort of problem. I said, I got to get off the airplane. I made it like a little crazier. Yeah. And they opened the door. They let me off. I got back in the cab. I went back to the country. I said, I'm home. So, <laughs> so now we kind of refer to it as he in New Orleans.
0: <laughs> so so you find that the 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 depression comes uh, at certain times?
1: Uh, at times, yes. But it never. I can never de- identify the trigger. It, it, it comes out of nowhere, literally. Occasionally you literally, you literally
0: have to go away for a few days?
1: Yeah, I just have to know that I can escape, that, mm. that I have an alternative to being confined. And by confined, meaning if it's with my wife, that you have to be, that to my wife, that my darling, you have to be around me. I don't want to expose me to you. I don't want my kids to have to be exposed to my darkness. And yeah. I need to know I can get away. And as right. long as I can, and everybody's fine. I mean, Gideon, my youngest one, he used to he had it better than anybody and he taught the rest of the family. So every Thanksgiving and um, and Christmas, uh, the mem- the family members of the monks at the monastery in upstate New York, where my brother in law is, it's family died on Christmas and, uh, yeah. and Thanksgiving. So one day I was in a bad way and we drive the family up there. And we're in the parking lot and everybody knows dad's in a, in a dark spot. And Gideon outside, and he's about—I don't know, maybe he's fifteen, sixteen, maybe—and maybe—and may, and he said, "If you can't get it together, don't come in." <laughs> and I didn't, and I stayed in the car for about an hour. But but he was—he's the clearest one. He's the only one in the family that doesn't try to fix me.
0: Yeah, I you know I grew up with a father with depression, and I I you know I I, I know the 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 story of it, but for you. No medicine.
1: Oh, I had 15 years of five different medicines at a time at one point. I was on stage in New York doing my one, one, my, my I think my Sondheim show 20 minutes into the concert. Uh, and, uh, and I went up because of what some lyric did, yeah. you know, to my head. And I stopped and I started the whole thing over again from the beginning. Yeah. And, and a friend of mine said, you can never do that again. And I thought to my friends, let me tell you, something. I'll do it again if I need to do it again. And I went home and I took that last bottle of pills I had and I put them in the toilet. Yeah. And I said, because I tried to get off those pills many times over the years. And I prefaced this by saying some people need medication and it's important. But for me, most of the me- all the medications put that fighting part of my brain to sleep. Mm. And I needed every cellular opportunity to, to stay uh, focused and alive and battle the darkness. And so um, I would try many times to get off it with, you know, lying to the doctor, just not taking it over yeah. the years. And, uh, and like clockwork, you know, two weeks into it, I'd crash, call the doctor, have to take it again. But that night I put it in the toilet and I said, never again. And I'll, I'd rather not be here than feel chained to this. I can't do it anymore. And I and it was the moment when I was ready, you know. And I, yeah, I, I was done.
0: Yeah, you see. I mean, okay. These were
1: prescribed medication. Sure, I get. And it. the other thing that everybody probably knows is there are psychopharmacologists out there that should be put in prison. Yeah, that that give you medications they don't know that should not be giving you them.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I it, it, it's all speculative. It turns out. <laughs>
1: Look, uh, I really I'll repeat the preface. Some people really need to have certain medications. Absolutely. Don't take some word of some actor on a podcast, you know, listening to what he said and think it's right for you. What's right for you is what's right for you. Not what I say. Yeah. Did you
0: listen to music today?
1: Just the music I heard at the beginning of your podcast with with the one of oh yeah, uh, yeah. Lynn yeah and yeah. Uh, and a little bit of music that there was in there. That's all the music I heard today.
0: And what, what do you listen to music every day? No,
1: hmm. I, I I don't. Uh, my kids, Gideon. If my son Gideon was here, he would tell you. He would interrupt and go. My father doesn't like listening to music <laughs> 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 because. And I think partly because music is is I, I love doing it and it's my work, mm. but it's not where I relax. And um where do you so relax? I, I relax taking walks, and ironically, on my walk, I run a concert. So I'll run an hour, hour and a half worth of material of lyrics and singing, like you know, just about this loud, you know, really quiet while I'm singing. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? And, yeah. And and that's what I do. And occasionally I do. I'll listen to Mahler or I'll listen to my son's recordings or I'll listen to Debbie Friedman because it's just an okay time for me. But in general, there is so much noise in my head, Mark. Yeah. So much noise that I love quiet. Yeah. And my wife loves more noise and more noise. And she's and we've learned that I need quiet. Yeah. And I read a book once somebody gave me called quiet by, I forget the a, a woman wrote it yeah. and it's about introspective people. And you never think when people talk to me or you see me on some fucking interview, I sometimes watch myself talking to some people, person like yourself or, and I turn to my wife and I'll go, uh, I, I don't know how anyone could tolerate me. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's, just, I, I, I I'm desperate to get away from this fucking television. I can't watch a minute <laughs> more of myself. And, and, um, the book is about people that you'd never guess were introverts. Mm. So it made me realize that in many ways, even though I do what I do, that I am an introvert mm. and and some of the people that are described as introverts, it's an extraordinary book for people. You know, I mean, I mean, it used to be at Harvard and stuff. They used to say to you, there was courses about how you had to be an extrovert to have sure. an existence, you know?
0: Oh yeah, well, it's well, it's like it comes back to Robin, you know, who was yeah. probably like one of the, the most introverted, introverted people in the, that I have ever met. Ever, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you put on the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. almost like a protective uh, uh, magic trick, you know. La like, la 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 la. Okay, yeah, yeah. thank you. I'm going to go be quiet now.
1: Yeah, but yeah. when you when you would when you would experience it with Robin, yeah, it was uh undefinable almost. It was so hugely different from you know, one thing to the other. It oh, when like, he turned it on. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was like, all of a sudden you're on a, you couldn't understand
0: yeah, it. One second, he can barely look in the eye and the next you're like, Holy shit. Holy we're shit. We're in an amusement park. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. It's great talking to you, buddy. You feel good.
1: I do feel good. And it's wonderful talking to you. And, and, um, and, and I want to leave you and whoever's listening with one. Of, I had a, I had a father's group when the kids were in, in Starting in uh, preschool, yeah, and these four fathers, and then the mothers became friends, and then we had life together all the time, yeah, holidays, and one of the dads passed away from melanoma, and was a dear friend of mine named Mark Harrington, and I loved him dearly, and he kept himself alive uh, for the moment when Catherine and I heard that it was time, and we m- ran back from Colorado where we were visiting people, and we made it to his room. And he asked the nurse for a cup of morphine and he took the morphine and he struggled to get himself up in bed. And he looked at these two lunatics, my wife and myself, and he said the most challenging words of all time, have fun. (laughs) (laughs) And then he laid down and about a day later he he left us. But he knew that that was the job at hand and he knew it was the Everest to climb. Mm. At the same time.
0: And how are you doing with that?
1: I'm doing better than I've ever done in my life. And that's why I love getting older. I'm not crazy about the knees and all the things that go with, with the, uh, the, the, uh, designed, uh, body parts, but I love getting older for just the, the time lived in the things that terrified me that I now have learned to ignore.
0: Yes, exactly. It all goes away. Nothing's that important.
1: And you, and you can you can't get over how one minute you were ready to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge and the next minute you can't even remember
0: why. So maybe that's uh that maybe that's your version of self forgiveness. You're forgetting.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And, <laughs> and my wife will say, I wish I had your memory, which is zero. I, I remember nothing. <laughs> a gift.
0: It's a gift, Mandy. It's a I think gift. So
1: i think so mark and i wish you i wish you fun and um and and i wish you to have your loved ones in your mind and heart all your days
0: you too you too and as in a similar sense warren Zevon, i think once said enjoy every sandwich i
1: I will i will
0: all right what's your favorite
1: what is your favorite sandwich uh
0: that's a good question um I love a uh, like I love a very moist uh, brisket sandwich, Jewish style brisket.
1: Wow, we're pretty close. I would love cold meatloaf sliced with oh. mustard, a uh, uh, thick uh, iceberg lettuce on a on a toast.
0: Oh, that's nice. Like uh, like a, a meatloaf your mom made or something.
1: Yeah, just meatloaf. I
0: yeah, I like I like the the deli meats, but not th- not much on it. Just the uh, the, the the dark mustard.
1: Oh yeah, it's too much for me—the dark mustard. I'm no, a, no good. I'm a French's yellow mustard.
0: Oh really? All right. I'm, well, I'm, I'm a, a simple. I'm a simple man, Mark. We We can. I, I can live with that. I think we can okay. live with our choices. All right. Take care of yourself, buddy.
1: All right, you too. All the best.
0: All right, that was Mandy Patinkin. You can go see his stuff, from Homeland to Princess Bride, the records, the plays. You can't see. I don't know. Maybe they're, they're on uh, available. I'm not sure. Are they? Sunday in the Park with George. I don't know. I don't know. Okay? All right? Fascism is the frenzy of sexual cripples. Wilhelm Reich. Here's some guitar. cat angels everywhere!